This is the Smarter World podcast, focusing on the technology and issues behind today's connected world. I'm host Nitin Dahar, editor at EE Times and Embedded.com. In this episode, we'll discuss the semiconductor technology known as gallium nitride with Paul Hart, Executive Vice President and General Manager of Radio Power for NXP Semiconductor. Gallium nitride, often known by the periodic table name of GAN, is a material that is increasingly in demand in high power and high frequency devices. We'll discuss this technology and a new NXP fab that opened recently in Chandler, Arizona with Paul Hart. Welcome, Paul. Thanks. Good to talk to you. EE Times covered the opening of a new NXP fab that opened in Chandler, Arizona. We'll go into that in a minute, but I'd like to start at the beginning, as I say, with the basics of gallium nitride and its potential uses. So can you give us a, a bit of a backstory here? Yeah. What is gallium nitride at a basic level and how did it find its way into the semiconductor arena? Then we'll talk a little bit about you know what kinds of applications, but let's start with the beginning. Tell us a little bit about gallium nitride. Well, gallium nitride is a, it's a wide band gap cell semiconductor technology. It's uh, comprised of gallium and nitrogen, uh, as the name suggests. And it's a technology that has about three times the band gap of what you'd find in common silicon. So this very wide band gap technology uh, allows the device to operate at much higher voltages and higher temperatures than silicon without breaking down. And so you, it enables higher performance without compromising reliability. GAN as a whole also has a much lower on resistance, enables the technology to deliver higher current uh, than, than silicon could. So you have a technology that supports both higher voltages and higher peak currents, and therefore it can deliver much higher power in an RF application up to an order of magnitude higher power than silicon. And uh, it first found its uses in the semiconductor arena in uh, very high power radar applications. So the technology really began its journey, I would say, in the early 90s in a laboratory environment as an experiment looking at, you know, ways to generate higher power densities and higher band gaps. And over time, uh, it grew and found its home first with radar applications and high voltage jamming systems, uh, and now is having strong inroads into the communication sector. As you said, it was niche and very specialist applications. What kind of applications would have evolved into? I know you talked a little bit about communications. Maybe just identify maybe some of the areas in which you can use GAN, for example, over silicon. GAN takes a variety of uses. What we're focused on that is is in the RF space. So we're focused on GAN power amplifiers for, for communication systems. Those same power amplifiers obviously can be used for radar applications uh, at high frequency. They can be used for broadband noise generation, uh, as I mentioned, uh, which are very much aerospace and defense applications. So pretty niche applications. Communications uh, is obviously a much bigger market and it's a bigger focus for, for NXP. Beyond that, though, gallium nitride, particularly GAN on, on silicon, uh, has uh, strong inroads in the power space as well. So power conversion, where GAN delivers higher uh, switching speeds than silicon and therefore can enable higher efficiency for DC-DC power converters, as well as um, higher power given the, the high breakdown voltage. So high power DC-DC systems in the 600 volt range are very much a sweet spot for GAN, as well as very small power supplies. So you see the 
the bricks that come with consumer electronics get smaller and smaller. A lot of that is enabled by GAN on silicon, which has very high switching speeds and therefore requires less space and fewer capacitors and inductors to make the system work. Would it be fair to say NXP is not a newcomer? Um, how long have you been involved in gallium nitride? We're definitely not a newcomer in this space, but we've had a, a very specific focus on the communication segment, on the, the RF space uh, in our investments. We started our journey over 20 years ago with initial work first through universities and then through internal laboratories. And over the last 20 years, we've really matured the technology, matured the process capability, the IP, et cetera, to create what we believe is a, a really tailor-built gallium nitride process for communications, something that uh, should work very well in the coming 5G era that uh, we're pushing hard for today. Let's uh, go to the fab, the idea behind the fab in the market. I mean, when I interviewed you for the story we were doing for E-Times, you talked about quite a significant investment over the last three years. What was uh, the driver and wh why now? We have been a strong player in the communications infrastructure sector for the last 25 years. We've been a strong player with silicon LDMOS technology, which is the basis for our RF power amplifier products. And that's a technology that we developed in-house. Uh, we manufactured internally. And we really engineered or continuously improved the technology over the last 25 years with newer generations, newer nodes being released every 18 to 24 months. So it's, it's really a continuous improvement process that we've uh, been on or journey we've been on for quite some time. In parallel, we've been investing in gallium nitride development, realizing that it does have performance benefits over silicon, particularly at higher frequencies and really wanted to drive it to the same maturity level as silicon before we, we released it into our, our product portfolio. Over the last number of years, as 5G has really started to grow globally, we're seeing much higher demand for higher frequency amplifiers, PAs, to support 5G, as well as higher power levels needed at these frequencies. And silicon LDMOS is a fantastic technology, but it tends to degrade its performance as frequency goes up. So while it works really well at two gigahertz, its performance is much reduced at three and a half gigahertz where the majority of the global 5G deployments are, are occurring today. GAN on the other hand, with its high electron mobility has a much higher frequency response and its performance at three and a half gigahertz is still very good. It has a much higher efficiency and just general capability than silicon at that frequency. So with the market move towards 5G, it was clear that it was time to invest in the manufacturing aspects uh, for GAN. And so we, we started this investment in 2017, and we've invested since that time, including uh, investments occurring here in 2020 and first part of 2021, about $100 million to upgrade, renovate, reconceive a site here in Chandler, Arizona to manufacture gallium nitride at high volume, uh, high scale. And what we want to accomplish is, is that same tight link between the technology and the end application and realizing it's, again, going to be a continuous evolution process for our GAN technology over the years to come. We wanted to have that capability in-house and be able to really fine-tune the performance so that uh, we can continue to improve the performance of our, our end products and help these 5G systems globally become both smaller in size and lower in cost, which really is a key to enabling widespread adoption. That was going to be my next question. What are the strategic considerations? But I think you pretty <laughs> much addressed that unless there's anything more from a strategic point of view. One of the key applications for GAN is in base stations. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Maybe you can 
can delve into a little bit more detail as to how that works and you know sort of where NXP's focus is in that. These base stations, as everyone knows, these are the the ugly towers that we see outside, and generally they provide the downlink in any of these uh, communication systems. So in these base stations, you'll generally have a digital processing unit and you'll have a radio processing unit. In the 4G, 5G era, the radio processing unit sits at the top of the tower. And GAN provides the RF power amplification, so the final stage of amplification between the RF signal and the antenna. So the the GAN devices that we're creating, they sit at the top of the tower in these these antenna arrays. In my mind, they're a key enabler to making these boxes smaller and lighter because they're, they're more efficient. And then allowing, if you will, more boxes to sit on the same tower, which is key, I think, for everyone. Because there's one thing we can agree on is is that we don't want more towers in our community. But if we can get better utilization out of what's already there, more data throughput with less congestion, then uh, really it's it's a good step forward. So GAN, you know, is is an enabler to increasing the data rates of these towers without the need to add more towers to the community. From the top of your head. Are you able to give us some scale in terms of you know, how many X times better performance or you know, uh, better power output or efficiency? Yeah. So if we look at 5G at three and a half gigahertz, the systems today are able to deliver five, sometimes up to 10 times the data rates of, of 4G systems at lower frequency. So a conventional 4G radio operating at two gigahertz can do to your, your end device, 100 megabit per second data link and a, a 5G system at three and a half gigahertz can do 500 megabits per second, perhaps up to a gigabit per second in, in peak applications. 5G also has a different application or, or extreme bandwidth application at millimeter wave where the data rates can be much higher north of you know one, two gigabits per second. And that's perhaps an area where GAN will go in the future. But today its focus is really in these mid-frequency ranges and these coverage and capacity solutions we see uh, being deployed today. And the bandwidth is much higher. What goes up with that is, of course, the, the power level that has to be uh, um, radiated because in order to achieve the higher data rates, wider spectrum needs to be used. And if you need to maintain the same capacity and saying the same coverage area, then you have to transmit the same power per megahertz. And so if you're transmitting over more frequency, that means that the transmit power has to increase. In a 4G radio, you might have four times 40 watts of amplification. So four antenna streams, each delivering 40 watts in the tower. So that's 160 watts per radio system. In 5G, you might have 64 antenna elements, each delivering five watts. And so 320 watts per radio system. So really a doubling of the output power in order to support the increased frequency and increased data rates. And as such, if we're doubling output power, we want to not, of course, double the total current consumed. And uh, it makes sense to move to a a higher efficiency technology, which is what GAN really is. Going to get even more with 6G, but we'll come to that later. (laughs) Let's move on to the fab and uh, the background. So the fab in Arizona, I think you already alluded to the fact that you've been doing some work in in Chandler there for a while. But what's going on in Arizona? It's it's been a hotbed of automotive development. Uh, I've read quite a lot about the autonomous testing, for example, and there's been a lot of work in that area. What about the ecosystem for uh, supporting a, a GAN fab and how has that emerged in the Chandler area? Well, Chandler is a suburb of Phoenix and the semiconductor industry started in Phoenix, I think, in 1949 when Motorola moved to the area, really looking for (laughs) 
dry air to manufacture in and, 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 you know, the Phoenix area being a desert certainly has dry air. The catalyst since then has, has grown and what's developed over the last 70 years is a really mature environment for semiconductor manufacturing. Intel has a huge presence in the area. TSMC has just announced uh, that they're building a, a new uh, five nanometer fab in, in the area. Other companies such as uh, Microchip and On Semiconductor have a, have a strong presence here as well. And so in the Chandler area, you have the ecosystem already established for semiconductor manufacturing. You also have a strong ecosystem for communication systems because Motorola, which was a, you know, a strong leader in, in communication systems for 50, 60 years, moved to the Phoenix area in the late 40s, early 50s, and really invested heavily. And so you have a lot of this radio design, radio talent in the area as well. When we're looking to build a fab where we're focused really on RF applications and communications as a whole, this, this community really had the pieces we were looking for. It had the, the, the talent pool. Uh, we had a facility that was already enabled for silicon manufacturing, and it was an ability to just build it out for GAN as well. And then we had the support ecosystem. So all the tool vendors, all the ASML, et cetera, those, those people are all local as well. And they can certainly support the bring up in a, a pretty fast and comprehensive way. Would you say that Chandler, because NXP has locations all over the world, and I'm, I'm sure there must be expertise uh, elsewhere as well, Chandler sort of had more of that or was there something else? Yeah, it's a bit historical as well. Uh, in the past, we had a, a gallium arsenide factory. Gallium arsenide is another compound semiconductor. And it's used very heavily also in RF applications, generally at lower power levels. So it's the prime technology used in smartphone power amplifiers, so handset applications. So we had a large fab here from the early 90s through 2008, and it supported a lot of the Motorola then Freescale products, which went into many of the Motorola handsets. When that unwound about 10, 12 years ago, many of the, uh, the process engineers, engineering experts moved to the silicon factory that we have here in Chandler as well. And they were there uh, all along. And so really, Chandler is where we started our GAN technology development. It started first when it moved from universities to labs, it moved into that gallium arsenide fab that was here in town at that time. And so a lot of the knowledge base, a lot of the industry experts were local and still employed. And so when we looked across the globe at all of our footprints, we found that we had the talent pool much of it already in the company, as well as the ecosystem around it to go and invest here. Right. Okay. Let's now go on to the fab itself. With the 5G GAN opportunity, GAN transistors have a higher frequency and power density from a fab point of view. What does that get you? Power density is key. And if we have higher power density, we get more um, interesting metric. The way I think about it is more, more watts per wafer. And therefore, you know, I, I need to produce fewer wafers in order to support the number of products that need to be out on the market. So power density certainly leads to the utilization or the volume that we need to produce. And it's a key attribute in terms of sizing a fab, determining just how much capacity, how many tools we need to buy, et cetera. So if you're doubling the amount of power you need, you need that better power density, obviously. So you talked about you're going from 160 watts to 320 watts, for example. Right. So what are the, the FAB's uh, wafer size capabilities? And, and again, yeah, why is this important and timely? The FAB we built supports 150 millimeter wafer production. In terms of a silicon factory, this would be a very old FAB, very uh, outdated technology. Most silicon production is either 200 millimeter or 300 millimeter. In the case of GAN, though, we're building GAN on, on silicon carbide. Silicon carbide is the substrate. It has a very high thermal performance capability. It's an incredibly hard substance, uh, almost like diamond, if you will, in its makeup. But as such, it's capable of dissipating spreading heat very, very actively. And what we find is 
the highest performing gallium nitride for the, in these RF applications. So we really focused our investments around this high performing GAN on silicon carbide. And today, six inch or 150 millimeter wafers are very much the state of the art for silicon carbide for RF. And so we've built our investment uh, uh, around this 150 millimeter diameter. Most GAN for RF is, is actually built on, on four inch or 100 millimeter diameter wafers. And so we've, we've already taken a step towards the very high end uh, capability already for, for gallium nitride. And then we've built our investment around that, around that wafer diameter. In terms of tooling, we've invested for very high frequency, a high performance GAN. So we put photo tools capable of driving sub tenth of a micron gate length for GAN, which will allow GAN to scale up in frequency well into the millimeter wave range, potentially, you know, in a 28 gigahertz range where we see the enhanced mobile broadband applications of 5G today, and it's certainly into the 6G era and beyond. So we've really kind of geared for high volume GAN on silicon carbide manufacturing, Frequency scalability towards uh, 6G and the next 20 years of, of applications. And then we've also layered on the automotive heritage of NXP. And so we've taken all the best auto quality systems, manufacturing processes that we use in our other internal factories, which have to support 100% reliability applications, zero parts per billion failure, etc., all those tools, because they already exist in the company, have been applied in this gallium nitride factory as well. And so we're very confident that will result in extremely high quality GAN and something that will become really a, a benchmark technology for the industry as a whole for, for the years to come. Is there a particular NXP GAN flavor or you know, is there something different or significant what you do and how you develop GAN technology at NXP compared to maybe somebody else? Yeah, sure. So I mentioned previously that GAN really began its life in these aerospace and defense applications. So radar systems are a prime example. In a radar system, what you're looking to do is obviously amplify a signal and then you're, you're sending out chirp signals, right? You transmit and receive weight and, and use that as a means of, of detecting things remotely. And GAN, as it was initially engineered, was excellent at that. And that's where it found its, its first home. When you try to take that same technology and you transmit much more complicated signals, high order digitally modulated signals, which are used for communication systems, what you find in a lot of GAN is that you have a, an issue known as memory effects, which basically means that there's a delay in the response of the output signal to the input signal, right? And that comes from the technology itself. And in many of these, these aerospace and defense applications, that was a non-issue. But in, in communication systems, it, it creates quite a few difficulties, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can imagine that really undesired when you have to transmit a lot of data very fast. So what we've done is we applied, you know, our background in the communication sector, and we really focused and have for the last 20 years, all of our investments towards addressing these memory effects issues and developing a very high linearity, low memory gallium nitride process. We think that's unique in the industry. We think we've done it better than others. Obviously, uh, our customers will be the ultimate judge of that. But that's really where we chose to focus our innovations. And we look at uh, all of our GAN, or we characterize all of our GAN in these very high complexity 5G applications with all the digital modulation, all the digital correction that's required in these communication systems already in place 
is we optimize our technology. And that's something we think we do uniquely in the industry. Finally, on the, on the technical side of the fab, I think we already talked about where you're placing the GAN. It's on you know, silicon carbide. Did we talk about the process node? No, we didn't. So we're developing a P-Hemp technology. The initial devices out of the factory now, they have a gate length of 0.4 microns, which, you know, <laughs> when you're talking about five nanometer technologies for silicon, it's quite a ways off. But what that does is it allows us to generate a lot of power at the frequencies of interest. The um, subsequent variants of GAN, our, our roadmap, very much drives the gate length down. And as we do that, the peak power capability of the device will reduce, but the frequency response will increase. And so layering in will be, you know, steps along the way of quarter micron GAN, 0.15 micron GAN, sub 100 nanometer GAN. And what that'll do is it'll, of course, you know, allow us to continue to address higher and higher frequencies. So millimeter wave spectrum or 6G, and you will see the peak power reduce as a result as we move up in frequency. So the voltage that we operate at will, will come down a little bit as frequency response goes up. But it's very much a focused journey and really, you know, steps that we'll take as those areas of the, the, the comms market open up. That leads us very nicely on to 6G. I visited the University of Volu and they were doing their 6G research. And when I saw the number of antennas and array, and it was crazy and the amount of power you need. Let's close on 6G, terahertz communications, that's a way off. And I guess, you know, what do you see in terms of where GAN can take you towards that sort of higher frequency communication? We're currently sub six gigahertz for 5G, but I'm guessing it will go more. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your thoughts on all of this. Well, my thoughts are that if we look at 5G today, it covers everything. 5G includes coverage solutions at 600 megahertz with very high radius cell sites, all the way to 28 gigahertz, 39, 47 gigahertz enhanced mobile broadband or fixed wireless access applications with, with just extreme data rates, you know, one, two, maybe up to five gigabit per second data rates in some of these peak applications. GAN fits very nicely into that, that mix really in this mid-band spectrum today. Where you know we're operating at frequencies that are higher than were used in 3G and 4G uh, applications. So really, you know, north of two gigahertz and that two and a half to five gigahertz range. That's really a sweet spot for this scan variant that is out in the market now. And over time, while the, the millimeter wave applications are typically addressed by other technologies today, technologies like silicon germanium have uh, a much stronger presence at those frequencies than they do now because they lead to monolithic integration and much easier to create a dense antenna array with a technology where you can generate four to eight or 16 antenna elements on a single chip, where GAN will, would be much more of a discrete uh, assembly. But over time, when we look from 5G to 6G, what we'll see is that all the existing spectrum that is out there today will continue to get used. It's still much of the best spectrum, particularly for coverage. But the higher data rate applications will move up in frequency as well in order to access more bandwidth. So the mid-band technologies we see here at 3.5 gigahertz may move to 10 or 12 gigahertz in the 6G era. The millimeter wave applications at 28 gigahertz will likely move to 100 gigahertz or maybe even 140 gigahertz applications where much higher swaths of bandwidth or spectrum are available and therefore much higher data rates can be generated. So over that period, I see GAN moving up in frequency, obviously. I see uh, it continuing to be the workhorse technology in this mid-band spectrum today and the new mid-band spectrums tomorrow up to 15 gigahertz. I see millimeter wave GAN coming into play, particularly in this 28 gigahertz domain. And 
I see the most intense data applications really being delivered at higher frequencies, likely with still a silicon germanium integration. But over time, you know, GAN can play a role there as well. And so uh, it's very much a migration, I would say, over time, just frequencies and continuing to go up and power levels needing to increase to support the higher data rates. And that's where GAN will fit. Thank you very much. It was a very interesting discussion. All right. Well, thank you, Nitin. It was a pleasure to talk to you today. This has been the Smarter World Podcast with me, Nitin Dahad. Thanks for listening and see you next time.